to the Unlocked on Anaheim Ducks. It is Goals Thursday, and we're going to talk about the goalies this past season on today's Locked on Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going? My name is Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. A reminder, you could hear this podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or the new Odyssey app, which is spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y, and folks, it is hot out there. If you're in Southern California or Arizona or Nevada or pretty much anywhere in the Southwest, you know it is blazing hot outside, which is why the fan is on. So just keep that in mind, and also be safe out there, folks. Uh, This show is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have all the parts your car will ever need with amazing selection, reliably low prices. And visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On Ducks sent you. All right, let's get started. We had a weird season in San Diego where they, in fact, did not play in San Diego. They played all of their home games in Irvine, California at the Five Points Arena. Yeah, Great Park Ice is a fantastic facility, a place that they definitely could have, you know, they they could have had fans there later on, but chose not to. So with that, they had a Pacific Division final between Bakersfield and Henderson. But before that, it was a semifinal between the Gulls and the Condors. In those three games, Lucas Dostal got all three starts And he had a fantastic series. But before we talk about Lucas Dostal, because I do want to save him a little bit, let's talk about the other three goalies that took part in that season. Let's start with, uh, let's start with the two that got the least amount of time. Jeff Glass, the crafty veteran, 35 years old, only played in four games. And the only reason he played those four games was because, you know, we didn't have Dostal and Erickson Eck available. Anthony Stolarz, spent the majority of the season either up with the Ducks or on the taxi squad. He only had a handful of starts with the Ducks this season, including near back-to-back shutouts at SAP Center in San Jose. But this is a goals podcast. In his three games with the San Diego goals, these were all three starts times where, I guess, Stolarz was brought back on the contract. He wanted to get some playing time in. And these were also times when the Ducks had some days off, multiple days off, where Stolarz could go down and avoid some kind of contract confusion or roster confusion. So those were the only times where Anthony Stolarz got some kind of start. In three starts, he was perfect. 3-0, and uh, goals against of 293. Not bad, including an overtime victory. His save percentage was the best among all goalies, a 9.20 save percentage, which is quite good. Anthony Solars deserved better this season. He deserved more than the less than dozen starts he ended up getting this season, and that is a shame because he's going to be the backup for the Ducks next season. This is very likely the last we've seen of Solars in San Diego, but hey, good for him. He kept fresh. He was solid in San Diego. He was solid in Anaheim. Then you had Jeff Glass on the times when Stolarz was up on the taxi squad and you didn't have Dostal and Eriksson Ek, or those brief times where Dostal or Eriksson Ek was up in the Ducks taxi squad. So you had Jeff Glass come in, start a few games. He started, in fact, four games 
or he played in four games for San Diego. Did not fare so well, but he's there as a backup. He's 0-2-0. His goals against was 460. His save percentage was only 871. But as I say time and time again, he was only there to just fill that role. Again, Jeff Glass, he's 35, 36 years old now. He's probably close to retiring at this point. He's had a long, long career in the American Hockey League. Stops in Binghamton, Rockford, Toronto. Um, yeah, and San Diego a couple of times. In fact, he played in San Diego back in 2018, 2019. So this is a while back. And he was marginally better. He had an 897 save percentage, which is somewhat better. His career save percentage is right at 900. So, yeah, there you go. And then one other goalie that I do want to talk about before we head into the break is Ole Eriksson Ek, the youngster, only 21 years old. For a time, he was seen as being that guy that was going to come back and really bring some stability to the San Diego goals goaltending and bring some stability to the overall goalie pipeline for the Anaheim Ducks. And he didn't do too bad this season. The only knock on Ole Eriksson's game would be just maybe the glove. The glove was a little bit slow at times where he kind of lost track of it or just the glove wasn't fast enough. That was the scouting report on him. In his 15 appearances, he was 8-6-1 and one with a 314 goals against and a save percentage of 901. So about average save percentage not bad the goals against also not bad 3.14 hey how do you like that slice of pie again Ole Eriksson Ek was primarily with the goals to serve as a backup and to learn and gain some experience he wasn't their big gun the big gun for the goals was obviously Lucas Dostal but I thought Eriksson Ek did a fine job in keeping the goals in within reach in the season, and he had a couple of really big wins during the season. Again, the glove work notwithstanding, I thought he had a solid season. I would give him a B, B plus for the season. On th- that, I would, and here's why: in some of those games where he did not look good, he still kept the goals in the game somewhat, and he only allowed three goals in those games save for the ones later in the season where he allowed a lot more. But, you know, they were towards the end of the season. The goals had already gotten that, I guess, seeding. So they were fine. The last game, May 1st, against Tucson, where he allowed five goals, and he was pulled very quickly. And then the one against Ontario, where he allowed six goals, also in a loss. If it weren't for those two games, his goals against would have been below three. His save percentage would have been a lot better. So aside from those two games where it kind of felt like they were mailing it in at that point, that's what happened. But look at the blazing start he had. He had a winning streak of five consecutive wins. And there were some big wins against Tucson, at Ontario, against the Condors, against Tucson again, and against the San Jose Barracuda. Five-game winning streak, gave up two or one goals. He did not have a shutout this season, but when he was on it, he was on it completely. So that's partially why I want to give Ole Eriksson Ek an A or an A-, minus. but because of those last few games, the three losses, there was also the loss against Henderson. For those games, I kind of have to slip it down a little bit 
to that B plus range. So that's what I'm going to give Ole Eriksson Ek for the season for the San Diego Gulls. Uh, we're going to talk about Lucas Dostal for the entirety of the next uh, segment. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, which is the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And they are your one place that has you covered and the one place that we indeed trust. BetOnline.ag has all the sports going on, including Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, and of course the NHL playoffs. How about those Habs? If you want to sign up now, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. Once again, that is BetOnline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly, people. Please do it. All right. We are going to come back after the intermission. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On, and I'm Ducks, or today Locked On Goals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and we have this breaking news that I'm going to insert on segment two today, and this has to do with the new San Diego Sports Arena, or rather, lack of Sports Arena, because this news just came out today, literally published like 20 minutes ago, that the state of California concluded that the city of San Diego may be in violation of the Surplus Land Act because it did not properly follow the Act's declaration and noticing procedures. In other words... The new sports arena redevelopment plan has been scrapped. It is no longer going to happen. So Mayor Gloria is going to restart bidding. This is a big story for the San Diego Gulls because they were really in the works for trying to get some redevelopment going and try to renovate the sports arena to, I guess, proper 21st century modifications and whatnot. Look, it's an old arena. The Pachanga Arena No, I'm going to call it the San Diego Sports Arena. It has been around for over 50 years. It housed the San Diego Clippers, for crying out loud. The Clippers before they went to Los Angeles. I know this isn't a big deal to Ducks fans, but to Goals fans, this is still a big deal. Look, the Goals are not going to go anywhere. But if they're going to be a very viable team... In the long-term future, they do want to think about renovating or possibly a new home. And I'm just going to quote from the story here that just came out. Quote, San Diego's long-in-the-works redevelopment of the sports arena area in the Midway District is back to square one after the city was told it may be out of compliance with California law. The city received notice from the state that the proposed development is likely in violation of the SLA, prompting Mayor Todd Gloria to announce Thursday that he intends to begin a new bid process for the site, prioritizing affordable housing and complying with the law. End quote. Lots to take away from here. Yes, yes, I'm aware that homelessness is a big problem here in Southern California. Yes, I'm aware that having affordable housing would be important. The fact that he wants to prioritize that kind of housing, it's still pretty good. And I am not opposed to that idea at all. I mean, in in a sense, if there is more housing around, it would make it feel like a more neighborhood-friendly arena. 
But then you have to think about that huge parking lot. Are we going to have a parking garage there now? What about where the staff parks? They're going to take away some land there. Yes, the area in general is a little bit slummy at times, but it is what it is. Uh, Here's a statement that was just issued from Mayor Gloria, who blamed the previous mayoral administration for the, quote, flawed real estate deal that left San Diegans, quote, with little to show for a significant investment of time and resources. So if you remember, um, Kevin Faulkner, who was the mayor last year, announced that Brookfield Housing and ASM Global was going to build an entertainment district in the Midway area. And if you recall that story, this took place a long time ago. Back in July 2020, they were looking inside the comp- the competing plans and they had two different specifications on how to build this arena. And it was one of them was going to revitalize 48 acres of land around the San Diego arena. And one of them would have been around a billion dollar job that would have added a little bit of shopping. It would have added some housing. The shopping would have been big, but it was going to encroach on some of the other lands around it. And they would also have to buy out a couple of the nearby businesses. So that was one key thing, but it was going to look really good. And there was even going to be a couple of high end shopping areas which is mainly going to be used for, I guess, tourists. Think of it as LA Live Light, in a sense, where you have that massive shopping center, you have those restaurants, you have the Microsoft Theater, you have the Grammy Museum. Yeah, that's how I would have thought of it, as LA Live Light. That's what it would have come down to. And there would have been some housing options, but not as many as as we would have liked to see. So, yeah, it would have been nice, But here's something that Amy Fawcett, Faulkner's former chief of staff, said government regulations were at fault for the plan's failure, as did the mayor's former communications manager. And here's the here's what he said on Twitter, quote, all decisions made by Mayor Faulkner's administration on the arena's redevelopment were done in direct consultation with the city attorney's office. This is another example of California's state government regulations making it harder for communities to undertake major developments, Fawcett said in a written statement sent to NBC7. The state released its guidelines for the Surplus Land Act in November of 2020 after the invitation to redevelop the sports arena site. After a winning bidder was selected and after Measure E was passed, lifting the height limit, San Diego deserves a world-class sports arena along with all of the economic benefits that come with it. End quote. So the Surplus Land Act was updated in 2019 and it was released in November of 2020. This is after all the plans had taken place and that was signed by Governor Gavin Newsom. So that law took effect after everything had happened. And then in April or two months ago, the State Department Housing and Community Development finalized the guidelines for the new Surplus Land Act, which is going to make building an arena tough in San Diego and pretty much a little bit tougher in all of California. Gee, it's a good thing they built the Chase Center in San Francisco before all this happened, right, Warriors fans? Oh, I could see this being a problem for San Diego. I could see this just crossing over here. This could be a problem for 
Oakland later on. I know they want to build the new ballpark at Howard Terminal for the Oakland A's. Yeah, this just makes it that much harder. So what's going to happen with the arena? Is it just, are they just going to be content with leaving it as is? Oakland Coliseum, same thing there. All right, we are going to head into the second intermission. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the goaltending and specifically Lucas Dostal. And we'll get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and this show is brought to you by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. Hey, they've been family-owned and operated for over two decades. And they have all the parts for Toyotas, Chevys. Aston Martins, if you have an Aston Martin, if you're lucky enough to have an Aston Martin, good for you. And a little bit personal story here. I recently ordered from rockauto.com and found that what I needed cost less than half the price of the big box stores. doesn't get any better than that. So go to rockauto.com right now. Right now. Do it. Do it. Okay. Have you done it yet? All right. Now, in the box where it says, how did you hear about us? Type in Locked On Ducks, and you could find parts for whatever car you need. Just type in the make and model, and boom, there it is. Save money with rockauto.com. Once again, in the How Did You Hear About Us box, tell them Locked On sent you. That's rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. All right, so we're going to get right into it here. So this one has a little bit of, I guess, not insider information, but, you know, since I did go to the games, and I did cover those games in person, I got to see Lucas Dostal a lot this season, which is great. Um, I do think he was one of the better goalies, personally, that I've, I've seen in a long time. As far as what he needed to work on, uh, there was a few things on the Skyrim report that kind of, you know, it, it, it leapt out to me. It leapt out to me at a point where it said, oh, he has some tracking to work on in Liga he was very good in fact this is a quote they're far from Finland's most formidable defensive powerhouse and yet he's posted some of the best numbers league-wide since hitting Liga during the 2018-19 season and quote of course that is talking about Ilvis out in Europe he's a tremendous player don't get me wrong the Liga out there in Finland does tend to be a little bit more offensive but the numbers he put up for Ilvis in 2018-2019, they were very good. 4-4-2 four, four, with a 9-22 save percentage. It got better after that. 2019-2020, he had a 9-28 save percentage, a 1.78 goals against, and a record of 27-8-6. That was good. With Ilvis Tampin, this season, he played... So he started out in Finland before making the jump to North America. In 11 games, he was 10-1-0 with a shutout, a goals against of 1.64, and a save percentage of 9.41. That is ridiculous. He was second, top three, in wins. He was third with a 164, and he, he was leading the league with a 941 save percentage. So at the time, before he made the jump from Finland... 
to North America. He was in the top three in the entire league in goals against, save percentage, and wins. So that was already impressive enough. Then he made the jump over to North America, but there was still some holes in his game. And this is from another scouting report. Quote, His tracking leaves quite a bit to be desired, especially when he's already made the save and is trying to find his rebounds. End quote. That was the thing that was the undoing for the San Diego goals in that pivotal third game where he had a little bit of trouble finding that rebound before the game-winning goal in overtime. And he let that rebound go to his right, and that's how Malone got the game-winning goal for the Bakersfield Condors. So that is still something that he needs to work on. The tracking has improved quite a bit. His post work has gotten better from that same scouting report. His post work is almost non-existent, preferring to challenge outside the post rather than implement some kind of post integration. End quote. So yeah, like the hands are still really good. The glove work is still really good. The post-to-post has improved from February until now. I look at the post-to-post movement he made during that round against Bakersfield. He was out of his mind throughout the season. Yeah, he did get off to a pretty decent start, but he ended up with a 15-9-0 record. He had a good streak going. 287 goals against, 916 save percentage. He was otherworldly at times. In the playoffs, in three games, he did end up losing both those games, both in overtime. I cannot blame him for that because the defense at times was shaky in front of him, including, and I hate to bring up this name, Jamie Drysdale. He looked a little bit shaky at times on defense during the tail ends of both game two and game three at Mechanics Bank Arena. With that said, look at those numbers for all three of those games. Game one, he got the victory. He allowed three goals on 42 shots. Game two, he allowed three goals on 37 shots. Game three, he allowed only two goals on 45 shots. His goals against was a 255. The save percentage in that three-game set was 935. That's a very good percentage. Uh, Something else, and this comes from Kat Silverman. Quote, He'll need to improve some of those tracking and post-related weaknesses when he hits North America. But his performance to date, particularly given the fact that he's allowed just two goals in his first two games in the Ilvis season to kick things off, suggests that he's probably more than ready to graduate to a higher level of competition. Um, And this coming from a scout that was present in Bakersfield. His post-to-post game is leaps and bounds better than where it was at the start of the season. So again, these are some things like some quotes from scouts, from people that cover goaltending. You could tell that his game has gotten a lot better and progressed much better. These are direct quotes coming from scouts, from people that work at ringside. He's that much better. He should be the number one goaltender for the San Diego goals next season. So yeah, my grade is obviously an A for Lucas Dostal. Despite having that little bit of a stretch where he was a little bit shaky at times, overall, he kind of saved the goals this season. Throughout the season, he was really good. Yeah, he had the stretch where he lost, I think it was like seven or eight games in a row, but that was towards the middle of the season when there was a lot of personnel change. Aside, if it wasn't for that streak, 
he would have had an astonishing record of 15 and 1 or 15 and 2. The goals against would have been below 2. The safe percentage would have been above 930 for almost the entirety of the season. He had that long winning streak of 8 games. I remember that streak. It started with Ontario and it ended at Ontario. Yeah, that's right. It was the Cinco de Mayo game, now that I recall it. He did have an 8-game streak at the time. Of course, that streak was broken by the Ontario Reign on May 5th in that really wacky, crazy game where Ontario just put up a bunch of goals at the end. That was the Mikey Isimont show, if you recall that, where Mikey Isimont had a Gordie Howe hat-trick and a natural hat-trick on the same game, and that ended Lucas Dostal's 8-game winning streak. And it also broke the streak for the goals. At the time, the goals had their own winning streak. So just one of those freak things where Mikey Isimont went on a tear against Lucas Dostal. But that eight-game streak, yeah, it gives him an A. The 45 shots in that game three, like all the shots, they were relentless. Yeah, he was the player of that game. The reaction that the players gave him afterwards cannot be understated but the best thing about Lucas Dostal was what he did off the ice at the end of the game and I'll never forget this where there was quite a few goals fans in Bakersfield for that game three he saluted the goals fans that came out after the game that was truly a great picture something that I won't forget so yeah give him an A A plus grade for the season and I think that's where we're going to wrap up today's show Next time we talk about the goals will be next Thursday. And I'm going to go over all the defensemen. So I'll do the defensemen that week. And then the following week, I will go over the forwards for the San Diego goals. So that's coming up on the next two Thursdays on this very podcast. And then we will enter July. And that's where things are going to get a little bit. No. Yeah. The Thursday will be July 1st. So Canada Day. And then after that, it's going to be free agent frenzy, draft frenzy, expansion draft. There's going to be a lot of coverage on that throughout the month of July. So definitely keep your ears peeled for that. So thanks for listening very much. It's appreciated. If you want to hear previous podcasts, listen to them on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or the new Odyssey app, which is A-U-D-A-C-Y. Don't forget to look for me on the green room the Spotify green room. So be sure to check that out. And also, also you could follow me on Twitter at L O underscore ducks or follow the personal Twitter, which is at Stimpy JD, but you definitely want to follow L O underscore ducks where we will talk about Corey Perry some more. I'm sure during these playoffs because Corey Perry is still playing. Yeah. We have a few former ducks still playing Corey Perry, wild bill, Shea Theodore, Cal Palmieri. That guy's a, freaking hoot and then of course you have Michael Haney, Pat Maroon, Luke Shen so we'll talk about other former Ducks still in the playoffs so yeah we'll, we'll do that we'll have some fun so once again thanks for listening it's greatly appreciated for Locked On Anaheim Ducks I'm Jason JD Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day please continue to be safe out there get vaccinated if you have not already be kind to one another and ducks fly together and gulls fly together caca caca caca